There was quite a heated exchange in Tynwald this month about government's policy relating to accepting refugees. Minister Kate Lord Brennan was surprisingly robust in defending the Cabinet officer's approach, and this led to several members, including the mover of the motion, Joni Farragher, giving as good as they got. We'll hear later from the Minister and House of Keys veteran, Dewan Watterson, but first, why did Joni Farragher bring this debate to Tynwald? So firstly, um, uh, I moved, I brought a motion in April 2022 about this to, um, it was in the wake of um, the Ukraine situation and the island had been so welcoming and that there was a lot of um, calls for us to have had a, a more rapid response. So um, I requested that the Council of Ministers set up a framework so that we weren't scrabbling about essentially in future uh, to formulate a response and there wasn't a delay. Um, so this policy uh, was supposed to be laid um, and for debate, uh, which wasn't done. Uh, it was actually just put as a lay before, which is, is kind of generally accepted as a way to, to maybe get it on the order paper without people noticing. Um, so, but, but there was a, a, a full report there, wasn't there, uh, that went, uh, it went, was it June or July, Tinwald? October Timwald. It was it was supposed to be for the July Timwald being brought for debate, uh, which was the the promise that was given. Um, but yeah, it was laid before the October Timwald, um, and it's a it, it's rather than being a framework, it's uh, it, it's more an explanation of why we can't have a framework, uh, which I think was just a missed opportunity and a missed uh, chance to analyse the uh, benefit versus the cost and to see what lessons we might be able to take from the situation in Ukraine I just I, f I feel like as a lot of members input into the debate there it was just a missed opportunity there to to actually get some facts and figures around this issue and see where we wanted to go as a country yeah so um and the minister was was quite robust in her defense of the document and uh, you know her her argument, if I'm trying to paraphrase, was something al along the lines of if if you want something to happen, you need to be much more explicit and clear about what that what that is. And her reading of, of what was said in, in Hansard, uh, what was said in the in, in the Tinmal debate was uh, that um, what 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 was contained in the report was was uh, meeting the requirements yeah and i mean i think i guess it is open to interpretation and i think that's probably one of the issues with when the council of ministers do amend somebody's motion like they did with mine in april 2022 without engaging with that member first to explain their intentions and they leave it as quite an openly interpretable um sentence i think I guess what's happened is that I and other members thought it meant one thing and the Council of Ministers had different intentions that they didn't communicate. Now, to me, the onus is there upon the Council of Ministers to communicate their intention clearly. Uh, so I'm, I'm just disappointed, really, and I think that the way that um, this was responded to by the Council of Ministers was inappropriate. And again, though, the, the, the minister will say, well, it's all, all well and good you telling me that I have to be clear, but is there not more of an onus on you having brought both these motions in the first place to be very explicit and very clear about what it was that you were looking for? Well, I mean, I, I was clear. I, I, my, my motion was amended by the Council of Ministers. It was their motion that was not clear. Mine was extremely clear. Um, it was the Council of Ministers' motion that we're now talking about, that there, that, that there is differences of interpretation over. 
um, and obviously the Council of Ministers thought it meant one thing and backbenchers thought it meant another thing. Um, there, there, there was no communication from uh, the Council of Ministers on that matter and they did not engage with members, which is what they'd promised in the debate in order to work up the policy document and then they laid it before um, rather than bringing it for debate. So the, the actions of the Council of Ministers are definitely questionable and there's no, there's no that, that's not open to interpretation. Um, the Minister did not address any of those points in her response um, and, and I think that's quite telling in itself. The Minister was very keen uh, to intervene in, in the debate and uh, certainly seemed, um, I, I, I would say, irritated uh, by reinterpretation as as I think she would have seen it uh, of of what had been said in the previous debate um, is, I mean is the basically the answer appears to me at least to be that uh, people should be sitting down and talking to each other um, prior to um, the, these things happening in, in Tinwald so there is that level of clarity and perhaps that would then allow both sides to be more explicit about what it is that they they were intending. Indeed, and um, I would strongly urge the Council of Ministers to at very least take from this situation that their relationships with the backbenchers need to be improved by them on their, that is the onus is on them to do that. Um, because I did try to reach out to the Cabinet Office Minister um, to request a meeting and I did request to know why it wasn't being laid for debate. Um, but those communications were essentially a closed door, um, which, which meant that I therefore brought it to Timwald for a debate. Um, that didn't need to happen. So ultimately, um, what is it that's now not there that you would have liked to see? A framework for whether or not, um, or what the island's response would be in a future situation such as the um, Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, so that we weren't scrabbling around making officers work extraordinary hours um, and trying to keep up with the public sentiment. If we had a framework in place, that wouldn't have been the case. So that was what we were trying to avoid. Um, that isn't what we've managed to get in, at the end of the day. And interestingly, another issue that was raised in Tinwald, the uh, Kate Brunner report into COVID, um, was arguing very strongly in that sort of vein uh, that the response to COVID would have been better had a more robust framework and policy uh, been in place uh, dealing with emergency situations. Yeah, and it's not rocket science. I think this is a fairly basic um, standard of government to get a policy in place where and when you can, especially in the wake of an incident such as Russian invasion of Ukraine that did leave us kind of exposed really in a way um, in which our ability to respond wasn't in line with the public's demand that we respond. Um, so it, like I say, and, and many members said, it's a huge missed opportunity for government to have actually brought a policy that would support everybody in the future and that would align with what the public wanted them to do. And interestingly, another debate that uh, occurred in Tinwald was in relation to uh, the government's economic strategy and the uh, Our Island Plan targets, one of which is to increase the economically active uh, portion of the population. And uh, effectively, you could kill two birds with one stone with, with what you're suggesting and uh, delivering more people to potentially be those economically active people. 
Well, absolutely. And this was the, this was a point made several times. Um, Meta-analyses of all of the studies undertaken of the economic benefits of refugees actually shows that the main one is um, for small jurisdictions that have an ageing population and or um, imbalanced demographics. Um, now, that is us. That That is one of the big problems that we know that we face as a jurisdiction now and into the future. Um, we have seen the recommendations from the Population Rebalancing Committee, yet this obvious solution is staring us right in the face that we could have worked up something that worked for us as well as working on an international stage. Um, and we, we've rejected the um, opportunity to do that. Would you agree, though, that it's this is a... Um an issue which divides the Manx population. There are many people in the Manx population who would thoroughly agree with what you're saying, but there are equally many people in the Manx population who would say, actually, you know, we, if we've got money that, that to spend, we need to spend it on our own uh, people and our own services. Yes. And what issue doesn't divide the Manx population, Phil? That's the question. Um, there, there are always going to be two sides to an issue. I think one of the important things that we need to do as people who are in leadership positions is to ensure that we make decisions based upon evidence base and based upon um, statistics and facts and that we then target information campaigns to show the public why we are making those decisions that's really what we should be doing as people in leadership positions um, not leaning into stereotypes or misinformation and not putting guesswork into potential policy documents that was Joni Farragher, MHK. Next up, Minister Kate Lord Brennan. Uh, there was a, a, a fairly, how would we put it, it was certainly lively debate uh, in relation to refugees. Uh, I, I think you, you came over as quite defensive um, in, in, in terms of your comments. Uh, why was that? Well, um, it, it's interesting, really, because I think that the, the there is a, a sort of minority of Tinwell members that are very intent and have a clear desire for the Isle of Man to participate in uh, some, in some way in um, large-scale resettlement schemes to do with refugees. And in the UK, um, it's local authorities that can participate in these schemes. And it's been look, looked at in different ways and debated in the past. It's, it's true. Um, but the, the recent um, debate has been about the government's um, updated policy as to the acceptance of refugees and, and indeed a report on the um, consultation and the experience that, that we'd gone through um, in connection with the you know, dedicated support in, uh, to support um, Ukrainians that you know actually important to say that they, they were never you know designated as, as refugees um, you know, but I think that where some of the tension has come about today is that um, so for those members wishing to argue strongly for this um, they are perhaps not happy with the government's position, which has been to say that actually for any, because we were asked to put forward, or the commitment was for a long-term policy. So the policy that's been put out by the Council of Ministers to say that, you know, actually it needs to be for the government of the day to activate any response. And in doing so, it's really important that the Council of Ministers should have due regard to the resourcing, resource available of the island, the ability of government to cope with with them um, such support things like housing and education um, the availability and support of third sector and the community in essence we're saying if you're going to be a responsible government 
you, you should take account of these things, not just be writing to the UK saying, hello, can we please participate in these schemes and will you make that happen for, for us? Um, noting that that costs uh, money and that there is very little control and also it's in the policy and government action anyway that um, the Isle of Man does contribute to international development causes through funding, which is given that you want to support refugees in a way um, you know, in, the, in the world which is safe and successful and, and done in the right way, um, that's done through through funding. So in Tinwolves, um, there has been assertions that government has somehow been flouting the will of Tinwolves, even though Tinwolves has never resolved to join or support resettlement schemes. Um, so it's quite interesting that some of the arguments being made by advocates, they're not setting out the arguments based on their you know, principle of belief of, of advocating for the Isle of Man and joining resettlement schemes. Instead, almost as a deflection, they are, are, are criticising government for having this policy and not following the will of Tim Woods from a previous resolution in April 2022. And, you know, I have had to say in the court today that's fundamentally wrong and actually council stands by its published policy which is you know responsible and and, and is the right thing to do in terms of taking account of the the island's position and the interests of the people here and resettlement schemes basically means people moving from a, a potentially a war-torn country and resettling in the Isle of Man. That's, that's effectively what that's all about. Um, but as you say, looking through Hansard of the previous debate and even listening to this debate, it wasn't that clear um, what the case was for that. That's right. It's quite a fascinating thing. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting because it's good to have passion and it's good to have debate. And you know that you're not always going to agree. But actually, if somebody is bringing their arguments... They need to align that with the motion that they've got tabled and make that case. And I think that particularly in this debate, maybe that's why things have been left so confused, because then people have been, um, you know, sort of almost inferences or expectations that wasn't there. You know, I've certainly not given any previous commitments in Timwalls on this particular um, report or policy or matter that we haven't come forward. So I completely reject um, the assertions made that we haven't um, carried out the commitments. What what? is available then in terms of refugees. So, for example, obviously there's a the tragic situation currently taking place in uh, Israel, Gaza uh, and the West Bank. Um, if, if there were um, refugees from, from that part of the world, that, that um, uh, conflict, uh, is this anything that the Isle of Man uh, is able to offer there? But the best way to support in that case is to, tr- is to um, you know, we, we've got international development funding from very tight resources that we know that government is dealing with and, and, and donations are made and they're, they're published as the different agencies and, and charities and development workers that they go to. Um, the, the constraints are something that you cannot get away from. The Isle of Man has to operate within the common travel area. So we can't do you know, things fundamentally out of step with the UK. Um, in addition to that, we, we, we can't grant people asylum. So for those members that are saying you need to, to, to go and set about doing something very specific in the way that they're talking, and, you know, and, and, and by the way that we've already been told that the Isle of Man government would have to um, fund and pay to do this stuff and actually also would have to put in place at least the same things that local authorities do in the UK. So you also have to think, 
is this right and is this a right and correct course of action for the island to do which is actually if you look at the policy statement that's now published is requiring the council of ministers to take account of the balance of things and how it's best to support um, international development commitments but also how it's important to, to to make sure we're thinking about the things that that matter to people here it's possible, though, that there are people, and I know there are people on the Isle of Man who, who think, actually, we are a relatively wealthy society, and if we can't help people in the most dire situations, uh, then there's something perhaps morally uh, wrong with, with, with the way we're approaching the world. I think that there, there needs to be intent behind any response and commitment so why the support to the war in Ukraine worked really well was because there was an absolute political will council of ministers didn't didn't like dilly dally around we said okay we want to do what we can and we we, we started that off with donations and then ultimately we ended up coordinating all sorts of support as best we could to support people from Ukraine coming here um, and that that requires um, you know well thought out and and dedicated resource to do that so you need to be intentional so the the way this this policy sits now is that it's for the council ministers of the day to decide to activate a response so if 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 you need if you're in a position where you think actually we want to um, pursue particular support in this respect on island, then actually it's for the council of ministers to decide there are other ways to contribute to um, supporting displaced persons across the world. We are going to see an increase in that, um, and you know we need to we need to take account of these things in the round. You know, it, it, government is compassionate and caring about these things, and in taking that responsibility. You have to think about how you go about them and not underestimate that task. Finally, I chewed the political cud with Dewan Watterson. One of the, the, the things that cropped up in the January Tinwald was a little bit of a spat between some of the, the, the Tinwald members and the Minister for the Cabinet Office, Kate Lord Brennan, over interpretations of what Tinwald may or may not have agreed. Um, is... How does this actually work? I mean, the the, the just Tinwell decisions are obviously logged somewhere. Um, what happens then uh, in, in relation to ensuring that government follows uh, the, uh, the 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 general direction set for it by Tinwell? Well, as you say, there's a, a difference of opinion on interpretation, and so that's the first lesson to any um, member of Tinwell looking to move a motion: be very careful with your words because uh, what's voted on in the chamber is the words that are on the page in the motion, not whatever commitments have been given to you verbally by uh, by others in the chamber. So um, that's the first thing. When motions are carried, they follow through into a book called the Tynwald Policy Decisions Report, and that keeps track of all of the motions passed by Tynwald that are effectively then Tynwald policy. Uh, it, it's largely up to individual members to hold ministers to account for uh, pursuing those and obviously then some things will be more in favour and th some things will go higher up the priority list depending on how many people are, uh, are interested in it in that same sense. So um, 
but that is a document that's used often by the scrutiny committees in terms of the annual reporting that's done from ministers to those committees to see how they're doing on following up those recommendations by Tynwald as well. So it is a reasonable closed-loop system. Um, there are, of course, going to be political differences in terms of whether things have gone far enough or been done the way that a member would have wanted them. But uh, overall, that's how the, the process works. And generally, it works quite well. And, and historically... Um, Governments will think twice before running roughshod over what Tinwald has passed, because whilst they're not legally binding, they do seem to be morally and politically binding. And um, we've seen in other jurisdictions that governments that get too divorced from what their parliaments want uh, don't tend to last that long. And perhaps alarm bells should have started ringing for Joni in as much as, uh, as I understand it, the amended motion that she put to Tinwald um, was uh, unanimously supported, which kind of then means that it could have meant all things to all people. And and sometimes that's the case, uh, and that's why it's so important to make sure that uh, the wording that's there is going to deliver exactly what you want. If you look back at the a year ago, uh, the motion on the uh, swimming pools, for example, uh, there's a clear commitment in there that Tinwald uh, agrees that the swimming pool will be kept open until such time as a replacement facility is, is done. That remains Tinwald policy until Tinwald overturns it. So in that particular instance, the minister has indicated that she should be coming forward with a motion. I wonder whether that would have been the case had Tinwald not already formulated a policy. So it does go to show the importance of Tinwald motions and, and the weight that they carry. How, t- because of course uh, we have in Tynwald at the moment, um, a relatively inexperienced um, bunch of politicians. I don't know, do you refer to politicians as a bunch? A a gabble of politicians? I don't know what they would be. Um, But uh, they're they're relatively inexperienced, so you don't have perhaps the the wild, wild, (laughs) the wise, (laughs) the wise, the wise and wily old old heads that used to be in Mm -hmm. in Tynwald that would guide you and basically say, okay, doesn't matter what the minister says to you behind closed doors. It's what's said in in the debate in Tynwald and particularly, as you say, uh, what's what's actually subsequently agreed either as an amended motion or the original. Yeah, I think one thing that strikes any par- uh, parliamentarian when they come into this place is just how immensely complicated the whole machinery is. There's the machinery of government, which is pretty labyrinthine in itself, and in any organisation with 8,000 employees in it, it's going to be quite a complicated organisation. And then put on top the, the parliamentary levers uh, and buttons that we can press and use, um, which, again, can sometimes seem quite archaic and some bizarre, uh, but actually they're, they're there, they've stood the test of time, and they continue to evolve to make sure that they do the fundamental purpose, which is setting policy, choosing a government and holding it to account. They're the, the, the core elements of what our parliament's there to do. So um, it, it's, it's not necessarily simple, um, and our standing orders books are pretty weighty tome but get to grips with that and you do get to grips with how to use the 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 leaves of government um uh, yes there's always a double-edged sword though people vote for a change in some places and that's what what they get the downside is that they lose the corporate memory that comes with it so um uh, it's nobody's fault particularly it's it's a tough ask of anybody but uh, yes when when you and i were um starting off in politics in the 
mid thousands um that it was a different game there were a lot of people around who had got 20 30 years experience that's not the case anymore um and it's great when people do engage with the process try to uh to work out how to best achieve a, an outcome and this start finding these sort of tools in the toolkit um but they are there and they're in the little blue book they're in the little green book um and they're there to be used and government does occasionally report back on how well it's meeting uh, it's um, Tinwald uh, mm. approved uh, objectives, doesn't it? Well, that, that Tinwald policy decisions report is updated annually by government in terms of giving its progress report on how it's doing. Uh, government tends not to be too shy in terms of coming forward when it's been doing a great job on things, and that's great. That's absolutely uh, wonderful. Um, and in scrutiny, uh, it's our job to make sure that uh, there's a, a push forward on the things that matter to the people outside of this uh, building and that's really important and that's something that we're there to hold government's feet to the fire on the process is there and, and members need to use it that was speaker of the house of keys Joan watterson who do you think was right Joni farragher or kate lord brennan and what about the sage advice from mr speaker useful don't forget this program is available as a podcast on manx radio's website for now though i'm phil gorn gonna thanks for listening <laughs>